Good evening. Good to be together tonight. Good to be able to spend some time in worship before we go into busy week. Appreciate those who have led us in our worship today and looking forward to this time that we're going to be able to spend in the Gospels, thinking about our Lord Jesus and considering how we should appropriately respond to Him. I'm going to start by asking a question, and I think it's a question that we all know the answer to. I think it's a question that I know the answer to. Do you know what it's like to be offended? Have you ever been offended before by something that someone has said to you or something that someone has done to you? I see several people shaking their heads yes. It reminds me of a wife who asked her husband, what do you want for Christmas this year? And before coming out and and saying it, he didn't want to just come right out and say it, so he hinted around at it. I like for something to be in the driveway that goes from zero to 306 seconds. That's what I want for Christmas. The wife threw a thumbs up, winked at him, and said, I think we can do that. I think that can be arranged. So he wakes up on Christmas morning excited. He just knows that there's going to be a muscle car sitting out in the driveway with a bow on it. That's going to be his Christmas gift. He goes and very quickly looks out the window And in the driveway, there's a little white box. He thought to himself, of course that's not a car, but maybe the keys to the car are inside of the box. Maybe there's the registration to the car. Maybe she even printed out different options for cars that she wants to give to me, and she's going to let me pick. Wouldn't that be neat? So he runs outside, grabs the box, brings it back inside, very quickly opens it up, and finds his brand new bathroom scale. He asked for something that went from zero to 306 seconds, and he ended up getting it. Needless to say, he was a little bit offended by this gift from his wife. He kind of caught the message that she was sending, that he needed to go on a diet, maybe needed to lose a little bit of weight. We all know what it's like to be offended. We know what it's like to be offended by something that someone says or something that somebody does. I think we live in a culture... We live in a society that seems to be so easily offended. And even if we stand against that, even if if you wouldn't consider yourself to be easily offended, you still know what it feels like. You still know what it's like to be there left offended by something that someone has said or something that somebody has done. When we go to Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we find a very short story in the Gospel of Mark about an entire city that was offended by Jesus. Did you catch what was said in Mark chapter 6 and verse number 3? Jesus is preaching to them in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He's revealing Himself to them. He's revealing His identity to them. What He expects to them. And the Bible says in chapter 6 and verse 3 that they responded by taking offense at Him. That's what we're going to be looking at tonight. Tonight we're going to be looking at a story of an entire city that is offended by Jesus and what that led them to do and how they responded to Jesus. But as we think about that city, let's think about ourselves. Have you ever been offended by Jesus? Have you ever been in a spot where you were offended by something that Jesus said or, or some kind of teaching that Jesus communicated? Has Jesus ever stepped on your toes before? If you've been there, how did you respond to it? 
If you are there, how are you responding to it? One thing we mentioned about the Gospel of Mark is that at some points it's very short and it's very brief in certain stories that the other Gospel accounts give us a lot of detail on. So instead of walking through less details in Mark chapter 6, verses 1-6, through 6, if you have your Bibles, let's go over to Luke, the fourth chapter. If you'll turn there with me, Luke chapter 4. And in Luke chapter 4, verses 16-30, through 30, we find a more extended account, an account with more details of the very same story that was read for us from Mark chapter 6, verses 1-6. through 6. So if you'll turn there with me, Luke chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse number 16. Luke chapter 4, and beginning in verse 16, the Bible says that Jesus came to the city of Nazareth. Why is the city of Nazareth so significant? Why is the city of Nazareth so important to Jesus? Well, Luke tells us there in verse number 16, he says this is where Jesus had been brought up. If you caught it in Mark's account, Mark called Nazareth Jesus' hometown. Of course, Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem because of a census that was taking place. His parents had to report there for the census, but he grew up and spent his childhood in the city of Nazareth. Here, Jesus has began his public ministry, and he returns back to the city of Nazareth. The Bible says in verse 16 that it was his custom to enter into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. On the Sabbath day, the day of rest, every single week, Jesus had the habit, Jesus had the custom of going into the synagogue, spending time with His Jewish brothers and sisters, spending time in worship to God. This is a total side note here, but is that our custom? As we live under the new covenant of Jesus, do we have a custom? Have we formed the habit of assembling together on the first day of the week? coming together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging them, being encouraged by them? Do we have the custom of coming together on the first day of the week to spend time in worship to our great, marvelous, all-powerful God? It was Jesus' custom to do that on the day the Lord had appointed under the Old Covenant. Is it our custom? Is it our habit to do that on the day the Lord is appointed under the New Covenant? Jesus comes in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 17, it says He stood up to read. There was a part of the synagogue service whenever men were given the opportunity to stand up to read a passage of Scripture and to elaborate on that passage of Scripture. Back in January of 2020, Leslie and I had the opportunity to go to the Bible lands. And when we did, we actually visited the city of Nazareth. This is a recreation of what that synagogue would have looked like. You can see in the left, on the left-hand side, that's a picture of the outside of the synagogue. Actually, a very beautiful structure made out of stone. Then you look on the inside. Maybe this gives us a picture of what's happening here in Luke chapter 4. The one who was speaking, as Jesus stood up to read, he went to the middle of the room. All of the, the audience members, all of those who were there to worship, didn't sit in front of him like we have it right now. Instead, they sat around him on the walls in this square-like building. The Bible says that Jesus stood up to read. He stands up and goes into the middle behind the podium. They hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolls it to what we call Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 and 2. Again, another side note, Jesus knew his scriptures. 
Jesus was able to unroll the Isaiah scroll without it being divided up into chapters and verses, by the way. He was able to unroll the Isaiah scroll and in one block of text, he was able to find the specific Scripture that he was looking for. Do we know our Scriptures like that? Do we spend time reading the Bible? Do we spend time studying the Bible every single day, gaining knowledge from God and applying that knowledge to our lives? It seems that Jesus did. This wasn't the first time that He opened the Isaiah scroll. He knew exactly where to go, and He reads the words, again, of what we call Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. This is verse 18 of Luke chapter 4. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you look at the original context of Isaiah chapter 61, Isaiah is speaking prophetically about the children of Judah who are going to go into Babylonian captivity. Isaiah is pointing forward to a time where a messenger is going to come and he's going to proclaim to those exiles and captives liberty, freedom, salvation, and deliverance. It's time to leave this captivity that you've been in for 70 years. It's time to go back home, back to the nation of Judah and specifically to the city of Jerusalem. He's pointing forward to that messenger who's going to proclaim liberty and freedom to those who are captive in the nation of Babylon. Jesus reads that portion of Scripture, and everyone's expecting Him to elaborate on it. Everybody's expecting Him to say something about it, but that's not what He does. Jesus builds suspense as He rolls back the Isaiah scroll, He hands it to the attendant, and sits back down in his seat. Every eye in the building was fixed on him. You could have heard a pin drop. What is Jesus going to say about this passage of Scripture that he just read from Isaiah 61? Eventually, after probably what felt like an eternity of silence, Jesus speaks, he elaborates, verse 21, today this Scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. He says, you know the words of Isaiah 61. You know about this prophesied messenger who's going to proclaim liberty and freedom to those who are captive, to those who are being held exile. Jesus says, what I want you to know is that Scripture is ultimately pointing to me. That Scripture is ultimately talking about me. What is Jesus' purpose on earth? What was Jesus' mission? Read back through this passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. Perhaps alluding back to His baptism. What happened when Jesus was raised up out of the waters of baptism and He was praying? The Spirit of God ascended on Him in the form of a dove and anointed Him. In step with that anointing, we see His mission. Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim liberty, freedom to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus came anointed by the Spirit in order to be a messenger, to proclaim liberty, freedom, salvation, and deliverance to those who are being held in the slavery of sin, the exile of sin, those who have been blinded by sin. Jesus says, I'm here to set them free. I'm the individual. I'm the messenger that this Old Testament text is pointing towards. 
Of course, what Jesus is telling them there is, I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah who you've been waiting on. If you keep reading, you see the, how the people of Nazareth responded to that initially. It was kind of a mixed response in verse 22. On one side, they were speaking well of Him. And they marveled at the gracious words that were coming out of His mouth. They were amazed at what Jesus was saying. They were impressed at how Jesus was speaking. But then on the other side, they were a little bit skeptical. Hey, isn't that Joseph's son? Don't we know his mom and dad? Don't his brothers and his sisters still live here? You remember back 25 years ago when this little boy was running around and playing with other kids and he was helping his dad in his carpentry work? It'd be kind of like listening to a lawyer who's defending a, a murderer. You might think that the lawyer's putting together a good speech. You might appreciate the lawyer for being a very polished speaker. But I'm not so sure I'm going to jump on your bandwagon. I like how you're saying what you're saying, but I, I don't really agree with what you're saying. I'm not going to agree with you. And I think that's where the city of Nazareth is. They appreciate how Jesus is speaking, but they're skeptical of what Jesus is saying about His identity, about who He is and what He came to do. I believe what they're indirectly asking Jesus for is proof. If you're that messenger, then give me some proof. If you're that messenger that Isaiah 61 is talking about, then prove it to us. And Jesus meets that head on in verse 23. actually rebukes them for that. He said to them, Doubtless you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Physicians, doctors, what do they do? What's their job? Their job is to help other people heal. Help other people be cured of physical ailments and difficulties. This proverb looks at the doctor and says, Physician, heal yourself. Do what you've been doing for everybody else to yourself. What did the people of Nazareth mean by that? Jesus, we've heard rumors about what you've been doing in every other city. We've heard rumors about what you're doing, the miracles that you've performed in the city of Capernaum, what you've done in every other city. Do those things here too. Do those things in your hometown. Do those things where you're from. I think we see the pride of the people of Nazareth here. They've heard rumors about what Jesus is capable of. Rumors of the miracles that Jesus is performing. And they're claiming that for themselves. We're your hometown. We have a, a special entrance into your authority. We have a special claim to your miracle working capability. And so Jesus is, of course, responding to that, rebuking them for that. Verse 24, this is what we oftentimes quote this, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. No prophet is acceptable in his own country. Jesus is pointing back to the Old Testament Scriptures. How did Israel treat their prophets the majority of the time? When those prophets would come and speak to the people of Israel, they would reject them. But when those prophets would step outside of the nation of Israel and they would preach to foreigners, the foreigners would accept them. He gives two examples of that. The first one is in 1 Kings chapter 19 with the prophet Elijah. During that three and a half year drought period where Elijah is demonstrating God's greatness over the evil king Ahab, he held back rain. Elijah was on the run from the king. Jesus says there were a lot of widows in the, city of, in the nation of Israel, but none of them received Elijah. Who did? 
A widow in a foreign nation, a widow in a foreign country, the widow of Zarephath was the one who took him in under her roof. He gives a second example with the prophet Elisha. There were a lot of different lepers in Israel during Elisha's time, but only one of them came to Elisha to be healed, and it wasn't a leper from Israel. It was a commander of the Syrian army named Naaman. That's 2 Kings, the 5th chapter. What Jesus is saying to the city of Nazareth is you should be accepting me for who I am. You're my hometown. You know me better than anybody else. You saw me grew up. You should be accepting what I'm saying. You should be listening to my words, receiving them in your heart, placing your trust in me. But they weren't doing that. In fact, they were doing the exact opposite of that. Jesus says, you're doing to me what Israel has always done to their prophets. No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. No prophet is acceptable in his own country. And Jesus says, I'm experiencing that with you. How did they respond to that? Well, I think that's where Mark chapter 6 and verse 3 comes in. They took offense at him. And we see just how much offense they took when we look at Luke chapter 4 and verse number 28. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They were filled with anger. They were so angry in verse 29 that they rose up. They drove him out of the town. They brought him out to the hill on which their town was built. And their intention was to throw him off the side of the cliff. That's how angry they were. That's how offended they were. But Jesus, miraculously in verse 30, passed through their midst and went on His way. According to what we have recorded in the Gospels, Jesus at that point never returns back to the city of Nazareth. They rejected Him. They rejected His identity. They were offended at His message. And as a result, when Jesus leaves, He never comes back. Here's a city who takes great offense at Jesus. And so maybe a question that we can ask ourselves tonight, are we ever offended by Jesus? By His teaching? By His identity? By what He has to say? Does Jesus ever step on our toes? I think when you look at the religious world as a whole, We've created two different extremes, two different Jesuses, and neither of them are biblical. On one extreme, you have some who have created a Jesus that doesn't offend anybody. Hey, just live the way you want to live. Do the things you want to do. Be the person you want to be. Jesus will be okay with it. Jesus loves you. Jesus wants you to be happy. He doesn't want you to feel bad about yourself. Just live the life you want to live. Do the things you want to do, and Jesus will jump on board. It's a Jesus that doesn't call anybody to repentance. It's a Jesus that doesn't confront sin. It's a Jesus that doesn't confront wickedness. That's one extreme. But then when we go over to the other extreme, I think we find a Jesus that is equally as false and, and equally as wrong. Maybe sometimes we preach Jesus like He likes to offend people. It's His job to offend people. That's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to hurt your feelings. He wants you to feel bad about yourself. Well, that's not Jesus either. 
between the two extremes, a Jesus that doesn't offend anybody and a Jesus that's looking to offend everybody, we find the actual biblical Jesus who proclaims His message. With love and compassion and power and boldness, Jesus reveals to us who He is. He reveals to us what He expects in our lives. And the reality is, sometimes people are going to be offended by His message. Sometimes people are going to be offended by what Jesus has to say. There's no way that we can help that. Are we ever offended by Jesus? Whenever we are offended by Jesus, how should we respond? I think what we see in this story is that if we're ever offended by Jesus... Now, let's throw this out on the side. I realize that there have been churches who have hurt individuals in the past and taken advantage of people in the past, preached things that weren't biblical, bound where God hasn't bound, and loosed where God hasn't loosed, and offense should come from that. But when Jesus is being preached, when the Bible is being preached, and we find ourselves offended, we are always the ones in the wrong. Jesus is never going to be in the wrong. If I look at what Jesus has to say and it hurts my feelings and it makes me mad and it steps on my toes, then maybe I need that. Maybe I need to hear that message and to recognize I need to be more like Christ. I need to be better conformed into His image. If we're ever offended at Jesus, there's some feelings that we need to replace. Number one, if we're ever offended at Jesus, we need to replace anger with reflection. When you look at the city of Nazareth, when they take offense at Jesus, and they're so angry and wrathful against Jesus, they take it to the point that they're ready to kill Him. They're ready to throw Him off the side of a cliff. What would have happened if they would have taken some time to just think? What would have happened if the people in Nazareth would have just taken some time to reflect on what they're doing instead of getting caught up in their anger, instead of getting caught up in their wrath? Do you think this story would have turned out differently? Naturally, whenever we're offended, anger is the feeling that we have. Anger and, and ma- being angry, being mad, being wrathful is natural whenever we find ourselves offended. Instead of getting caught up in that anger, instead of acting on that anger, what if we took some time to reflect? Okay, I I see what Jesus says here. Now, why am I so angry? Why does this offend me? Are there some things in my life that I need to change? Are there some blind spots that I've been missing over the last few weeks or the last few months that Jesus is helping me to see here? If we take some time to reflect, you know what we find? We shouldn't be angry at Jesus. We should be angry with ourselves. We shouldn't be offended at Jesus. We should be offended with ourselves, with the decisions that we've made, the priorities that we have messed up. Because if we're offended at Jesus, He's never going to be the one in the wrong. That is where we are going to stand. Number two, if we're ever offended at Jesus, we must replace resentment with repentance. How do you think the city of Nazareth thought about Jesus after the events in Luke chapter 4 or Mark chapter 6? When Jesus was brought up, when they thought about the hometown boy who's out there performing all these miracles and preaching this radical message that He's the Christ, He's the Messiah, He's the Son of God, what do you think they thought? Do you think they felt resentful? 
Do you think their minds went back to this occasion where Jesus talked to them about them rejecting Him and they felt resentment towards Him? I bet they did. When we're offended at Jesus, maybe we grow to be resentful. Resentful towards Him. Resentful towards the church. Resentful towards the leaders, the elders, deacons, ministers. Resentful towards different members and different families. When we have those feelings of resentment, maybe that means it's time to change. Maybe that means it's time to repent. Maybe that means it's it's time for us to change the way that we think so that we'll change the way that we live. If Jesus steps on my toes, I don't want to be resentful towards Him. I want to be the one who's falling down at His feet saying, I want to be who You want me to be. I want to live the life that You want me to live. And then finally, number three, if we're ever offended at Jesus, we need to replace pride with humility. We said Nazareth took a prideful stance. They felt like they had a a special entrance into the authority and the powers of Jesus. Well, because we're His hometown. We know His family. We saw Him grew up. When we're offended, if you boil it down, what happens is that it hurts our pride. Our pride has been stepped on. Our pride has been hurt. When we're offended at Jesus, maybe we need to take the time to swallow our pride. Maybe we need to take time to demonstrate humility to say, Jesus, You know more than I do. You're more powerful than I am. You are greater than I am. And here I am, falling down at Your feet. Instead of turning my back and walking the other direction, I'm going to fall down before You. I'm going to live my life as a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It takes humility to do that. It takes humility to say, Jesus, you're right, and I'm wrong. Yet, whenever we're offended, we need to replace that feeling of pride with great humility. Do you think this story would have been different if Nazareth would have done these three things? Do you think this story would have turned out differently if Nazareth would have replaced their anger with reflection, resentment with repentance, if they would have replaced their pride with humility, this would be a completely different occasion. This would be a completely different result and a completely different story. What's going to be the end to our story? How are we going to respond to Jesus whenever He presents to us a message that we don't like? We can be like the city of Nazareth. We can be offended at Jesus and end up rejecting Jesus. Or we can humble ourselves We can approach Jesus with great reflection and repentance. Jesus, I just want to be the person that You've created me to be. In Matthew 11 and verse 6, Jesus says, Blessed is the one who's not offended by Me. Based on that definition of blessing, are you blessed? Jesus says you're blessed if you don't take offense at My words, if you don't take offense at My teachings. Are you offended at Jesus tonight? Offended at the words of Scripture tonight. As your church family, we would love to help you. We would love to pray for you. Like we said this morning, that's what we're here to do. We want to be blessed by Jesus. And if we're going to be blessed by Jesus, we have to receive His words into our hearts and into our minds. Make the decision to do that tonight as together we stand and sing.